The Bible says another parable put he forth unto them saying, and here's what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God, spiritual versus earthly, the kingdom of heaven, that's earthly, physical, is like a grain, is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. So you've got this little mustard seed and that little mustard seed, it grows exponentially. And you see the language in the passage, it's growing exponentially contrary to its nature. We'll get into that in a little bit more detail but it's commonly taught that this parable represents the gospel going out and reaching all parts of the world but if that was true it would contradict the first two parables and that is going to be the topic of the message this evening the mustard seed does represent something that is expanding throughout the world but it's not Christianity. The same way when we looked at the parable of the wheat and the tares, the tares are not carnal Christians in church. We looked at that parable and we saw that that's the world. Let them grow. And we went through that in great detail on that last Thursday. I pointed this out when I read the passage. This is not the kingdom of God. The one in Luke 17 that says it cometh without observation. It, in Luke 17, it says it is within. That's a spiritual kingdom. This is clearly the kingdom of heaven, as the text says. The tree springs up. Birds are nestling in the branches. And then some would say and some teach, well, these are just the obstacles that face Christians. You know, it's the smallest seed that will end up accomplishing the greatest, and it'll go on to do great things. So we're going to get four reasons why tonight. But before we do there, I'd like to address a, a word in the text that often is changed. The, the text clearly says, which indeed is the least of all seeds. It doesn't say smallest. There's a comparison between the least and the greatest. First uh, Corinthians 13 says, and now by the faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And it's a in that text or at least in that verse, we're seeing a comparison between the least and the greatest. Uh, the modern versions run to a, a little bit of a problem when they translate that word uh, smallest because it's not the smallest seed. <laughs> uh, the orchard seed uh, apparently is smaller than the mustard seed. How do you know that? Well, I looked it up. And so they have to say, well, it was the smallest seed at that time. Or they have to say, well, it's the smallest seed in that class of seed because there's different classes of, of seed. And all of these different uh, translations or changing of the text, it's all, well, they all go to the Greek. So the Greek tweak of the week is the word uh, mikroteron, which is translated as le at least in the King James Bible. 
when you when you run that through a concordance or you run that through a Greek dictionary or, or lexicon, you'll see that there are different words that you can choose. So typically, people will run the word and they'll just pick the word that they want to match uh, to the translation or the retranslation that they want to make. But that same word is used in Luke 9, 48, when it talks about the least among you. That same Greek word is used in Matthew 11, 11, when it talks about the least in the kingdom of heaven. And that same uh, Greek word is used in Luke 7, 28, when it talks about least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. It's a comparison between least and greatest. There's no reason to change the Bible. Just read it, reread it, and believe it. And uh, so that's the first note on that. Now, let's get back to the main point of the message. That was just a side note for you. What did we say before? This is not a non-observable inward spiritual kingdom of God. It's the spiritual kingdom of heaven. Uh, some will say that Jesus's kingdom, it starts off small and then it grows. And although that is true, that is not the context of this. Uh, they say that the kingdom will come by us sharing our faith and by us spreading the gospel. And this is... Uh, this is a picture of the church, and so we, we, we are, we are uh, providing lodging for those, and that's what those branches represent. And I would say to you this morning that that would not be a picture of the church. Would you agree with me that all of these parables in Matthew 13 are going to fit together contextually? You would agree with that? Because of that, I'm going to give you four reasons why this is not referring to the spreading of the gospel or the expansion of the New Testament church. So by way of introduction, everybody good. We, we, we on track here. Okay, so number one. The true church of Jesus Christ. Has a little bit of fruit. And decreasing harvest. As we saw in the first parable. You know what we had? A quarter of growth. This physical kingdom of God, this king or this physical kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of heaven right now. The condition is through the first parable that we learned. Our job is to go out and sow seed into the world. What's the seed? The word of God. We're, we're to get the gospel out into the world, right? That first parable taught us that the result will be a quarter of it will hit good ground. Now look at verse number eight. <laughs> you, you, you got wayside, stony places, thorny ground, and then good, and it took root in good. It's a quarter result, one-fourth of a result. And the harvest decreases. Look at verse eight. Some in hundredfold. Look at the decrease. Some sixtyfold. Look at the decrease. Some thirtyfold. It's not an expanding harvest. Yes, more people get saved, but the idea of the first parable shows us don't expect a big harvest. It's going to be one person here, one family there, one little group here. There's nothing wrong with the seed. What's the problem? The ground. And so we see a quarter result with decreasing harvest. The second parable, the reason why this is not the expansion of the church, this third parable, is because of the second parable. 
the world was oversown with tares. And we looked at that last week. Sin and evil will continue to abound. And I am sorry, we are not going to have our nation completely turned over and regenerated. We are not going to have a nation of people who are entirely saved and Christian. It is not going to happen. Why? The crop is spoiled. The tares are going to grow up with the wheat. That's what Jesus told us. First parable, keep sowing. Don't worry about the ground. But you just got to know, you look out in that world, you're going to have a spoiled crop. And you won't be able to tell the difference. A lost person that lives morally <laughs> or a saved person that lives carnally, you ain't going to figure it out. God said he'll deal with it when he comes back. We talked about that more in detail last lesson. So that's the first reason I would say it's not the expansion of the church. Number two, we are a heavenly people. We are not an earthly people. First Corinthians 15 says, as the earth is earthy, or as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. We are a heavenly people. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse number 5. The Bible says, even, Ephesians 2, 5, when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in where? Heavenly places. In who? Christ Jesus. We have a different residence. We're in Christ. Heavenly places. This is why, as a little bit of a side note, we are looking for a blessed hope that causes our eyes to cast where? Up. Not down on the earth and everything that's going on down here that's a mess. Quit focusing on that stuff and look for that blessed hope. Look at Ephesians 1. Look at the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all Earthly blessings? No, no, no. Spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places. In whom? Christ. Is that simple? It is very simple. Ephesians 3, verse 17. Watch what it says in uh, uh, Ephesians 3, 17 is that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. That's where our roots should go deep. <laughs> We're not a mustard tree. We're not a tree growing roots deep into the ground. We are growing roots deep in Christ and grounded in his love. The Bible says in Colossians 2, we are rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. A beautiful tree with majestic branches impressing the world. It's not us. It's not us. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 
Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Colossians 1 says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the affliction of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. I thought Christ's church is supposed to be full of people that have lowliness of mind. Humility, suffering for Christ's sake. You know what we have today? First church of the carnival. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if a sign shows up soon enough that says Prosperity Baptist Church. <laughs> Because we are looking for the popular preacher. We are looking for the popularity contest to win. And we are not looking to live and be rooted and dwelt in Christ. We want, <laughs> we want the ecumenicalism. And unfortunately, this Laodicean church continues to climb the ladder of worldliness as their roots go deeper and they but they sink when they do that they sink spiritually they don't increase their spirituality and that mustard seed is not representing strangers and pilgrims it's an expanding world system that has deep deep roots let's go on as we develop this this thought. Number three, it's not the expansion of the church because you've got an herb that becomes a tree. You see that in the text. Herb becomes tree. What's the difference? Well, a few things I found. Herbs don't have branches. They're non-woody plants. Trees do have branches. They're woody. Herbs are short and produce seed. Trees are tall, no seed. Why am I telling you that? Because I want you to get this. The herb becomes something different than its original nature. Go to John chapter number 18. John chapter 18. And check this out. You know the verse, but I think you'll... Enjoy the tie-in here. This world system is controlled by whom? That'd be the devil. That's right. And the devil opposes all things Christian. So that would mean this world system would then by default oppose everything Christian. Watch what Jesus says in John 18, verse number 36. Jesus answered, he's answering Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. This physical kingdom. Jesus isn't taking it over yet. That happens when? At his second coming 
and then we can sing joy to the world. <laughs> That's a millennial kingdom hymn, not a birth of Christ hymn. Why? Because he didn't come to be king his first coming. That's why. If you want the world and the church to have fellowship, we've got one of two options. Number one, the world has to stop hating God and the world has to stop being the enemy of God. How many of you think that's going to happen? That's not going to happen. Or two, the seed has to change character. And in this parable, you have a seed that changes character. An herb becomes a tree. And we're going to come back to that thought and tie this in. But I would say the fourth reason why this is not the expansion of the church is because the kingdom of heaven is in view, not the kingdom of God. Now look at verse number four. Uh, I got to get back to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse number four in Matthew 13. This is the parable of the sower. The first parable we looked at two lessons ago. And watch what happens. And when he sowed, verse four, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Fowls came and devoured. Everybody got that. Pretty simple. Now look at verse number 19, the explanation of the parable. When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. Well, who's the wicked one? The representative of Satan, who's devouring in verse 4? The vows. The birds, the fowls, are representative of the wicked one. <laughs> the fowls are devouring, verse 4. Everybody see that? Verse number 9, the wicked one in the explanation comes and takes it away. Representative of Satan. It's pretty easy to understand that context and tie that in. The fowls devouring, the wicked one taking the seed. It's the same thing. The evil and the wicked are working together. It's the same throughout this kingdom. And that's the, that's the representation of the fowls. Just the evil and wicked work of them. And we see that working together throughout these parables. But too much information is it? We're going to go. We're going to go to the Old Testament now. Everybody, everybody, good for? Let's go to Daniel four. Daniel four. Ezekiel. Okay, there it is. Daniel chapter number four. Let me show you in. The 10th verse, Daniel chapter 4, watch this, Daniel 4.10. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven. 
and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all the flesh was fed of it. This tree in Daniel 4 is representing a powerful kingdom on earth. This is why we're going back to Daniel, because all of these kingdom lessons, you always find ourselves in Daniel, um, because he's talking about, this, this, is, this is prophetic here. Look at verse 22, or, or 20, in Daniel chapter number 4. The tree, Daniel 4.20, that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair and the fruits thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwell, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, thou art grown and become strong, for thou greatness is grown. You better be careful about let's make America great again. The greatness, the majesty, the prominence is what these kingdoms of this world want. And that's the prophecy here. Reached unto heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. Don't get me wrong. I want us to be great financially and, and, and economically and, and socially and, and, and all of that. So I'm not trying to fall off the cliff on the other side, but I want to try to stay in the middle and still be careful of what are we really trying to make great? Why are we trying to be so prominent? We're supposed to be strangers and pilgrims, biblically. We're supposed to be strangers to this kingdom. We're a heavenly people. We don't need majestic branches of our fame. We don't need celebrity preachers, mega churches. We don't need that. What we need is to be rooted and built in him. And grounded in love. That's what we need. Go back to Ezekiel 31. Ezekiel is such a great book. I wish I could figure it all out. But it's such a meaty book. Uh, Ezekiel 31. Man, the whole thing's just this chock full of this. Let's start. Uh, boy. Verse 4, the waters made him great. The deep set him up on high with her rivers running round about the plants and set out her little rivers unto all the trees of the field. Therefore, the height was exalted above all the trees of the field and his boughs were multiplied and his branches became long because of the multitudes of waters when he shot forth. All the fowls of heaven made their nests in his boughs. And under his branches did all the beasts of the field bring forth their young. And under his shadow dwelt all great nations. Thus was he fair in his greatness. 
in the length of his branches, for his root was by great waters. And it, and, and it goes on. Look at verse 9. I have made him fair by the multitude of his branches, so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast lifted up thyself in height, he hath shot up in his top among the thick boughs, and his heart is lifted up in his height. I have therefore delivered him into the hand of the mighty one of the heathen. He shall surely deal with him. I have driven him out for his wickedness. And the whole chapter goes on. And Ezekiel 31, it represents a king. The tree represents a kingdom giving lodging to other nations. That's what it represents. You've got Daniel 4, you've got Ezekiel 31, the parable of the mustard seed. You know what it represents? The teachings of Jesus Christ without anyone wanting to name Jesus Christ as their king or as their savior or as the true Christ. And you know what expands throughout the world? The teachings of Jesus. What do you mean by that? Think of missionaries. Real ones and fake ones. Christian ones and ones that really aren't so Christian yet call themselves Christian. This is why we are so detailed and wanting to know doctrinally what our missionaries believe before we take them on and support them financially. That is a healthy way for a local New Testament church to take on missions. Why? Because the teaching of Jesus will expand. Think of all the humanitarian projects. Salvation Army. Samaritan Purse and Franklin Graham's organization. The Red Cross. Think of all of these organizations where the teachings of Jesus come into a town or an island or a nation or a country in that nation. Life improves. Caring for people. Providing them skills to do better in life. And when all of that happens, but the true Savior is never proclaimed, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is never preached, you know what you got? You've got the parable of the mustard seed is what you've got. The expansion of what would Jesus do? Because he would care for these people. He would show compassion for these people. But the gospel is never preached. And so you have the expansion. Think of all the hospitals. Life improves. Think of all the food pantries. Human life here on earth improves. It's all good. Jesus would care for the sick. The parable of the mustard seed shows that the problem is the wrong thing is expanding. Because all of that is being done at the expense of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You know what the Jehovah Witnesses, the Catholics, the Seventh-day Adventists, the Mormons, and the Buddhists can all agree with? Those are good things that Jesus would do, and they're good works. They're all lodging in the branches of that mustard seed. Every single one of them are lodging in those branches. And they all agree on the teachings of Jesus. They will not claim him as their savior. They will not. You know what the Jehovah's Witnesses want to do? Bring in a better kingdom. That's why it's called a kingdom hall. Talk to them. You're going to have to talk about the kingdom. They want a kingdom set up on earth. And they are trying to do good and help people and care for people. And they're lodging in the branch. And the true Christ will never be named. But all of those false groups can all agree. This is what Jesus would do. Yeah, he is kind. He is compassionate. He is caring. Human life does improve. Anywhere biblical principles are applied, human life improves. They want to bring in a better kingdom on earth by rejecting the king. And this will continue to happen until what happened until when the beast is crowned. It will continue to happen. The lodging in the branches. Oh, there's something expanding, but it's not the church in the parable of the mustard seed. And may I say to anyone listening online, you are not a Christian because you identify as not a Muslim terrorist. <laughs> you, you may have the teachings of Jesus. You may agree with the good works of Jesus. But if you have not trusted in him for your salvation, you are lodging in the branches. And when you die, you will be dropped into a devil's hell. You must repent and trust in what he did on the cross and be saved by his grace. Through faith alone, by grace alone, in the Christ, in the true Christ of the Bible. You believe in good works? You believe in humanitarian effort, efforts because Jesus would be for them? Jesus is for you repenting and trusting in him and owning him as your savior. And if you don't do that, all you're doing is lodging in the branches thereof. You're a mustard seed parable. Now, the first parable, the fowls catch away the seed. Now, what is the field likened to in Matthew 13? The field is likened to the world. The first parable tells us we are to sow seed where? In the world. You don't sow seed in the church. Why? Because the church is made up of the body of Christ. That seed blossomed and so now you have a called out assembly. And that called out assembly has to go out and sow, sow seed. So we get that. The second parable. Where can't you tell the difference between the wheat and the tares? In the world. You just let them grow. And we said that can't be the church. Because the Bible clearly tells us you don't let evil grow in the church. You deal with it in the church. 
When you got sin going on, you don't say, well, you know, we're going to go, we're going to, we're going to name and claim the parable of the wheat and tares. We're just going to wait till Jesus comes and let him. No, he told you in the church, you deal with it in the world leave it alone. He's going to come back and deal with it in the world. You deal with sin and wickedness and evil in the church, in the body of Christ. And that's that second parable. Let those wheat and tares grow. You can't, you can't clean all that up. Christ is going to do that. And the third parable, which we're on tonight, we see the worldly effect of men and women who are seeking membership in the church with truth watered down. And they're going out and doing anything and everything except sowing seed, which is what they should be doing, uh, which the first parable clearly tells us we should be doing. In other words, if it offends the world, keep it on the down low. <laughs> keep it on the down low. Matter of fact, do everything that you can to attract the world. Kids today are one of the issues is they, they're just they have become game zombies. I remember in the, in the early 80s, my dad brought home a computer and it had Pong on it. <laughs> it was a little dot on the screen and it went up and down one dot and you had to move the thing because when the dot came down, you didn't move the thing for it to hit. To pong it back up and drop down, you die. You can't get a child to sit in front of that anymore. You've got to have explosion here and lights here. And, you know, and, and it's, it's 2D, then it's 3D, then it's 4D, then it's 9D. We came home the last day of our vacation. We stopped at, um, what was the name of that place we stopped at? The fun amusement park. It was an indoor amusement park. As soon as I walked in there, I was overstimulated in two minutes. They had go-karts. They, uh, uh, they had laser tag. And you go in the laser tag. There's lasers. There's lights. There's guys running all over. There's screaming. There's yelling. There's just shoot me, kill me. <laughs> I just want to die. And then they have the, the, the 3D. It's not 3D. It's, I think it's 9D. So I went and sit in there. And... Um, they throw you all over the place, and this is going, the air is going, and things playing. And, and then I got in trouble because the guy came, I was in with Hannah, and he said, well, who, did someone unbuckle their buckle and stop the machine? I, it was me, sorry. I'm sorry. Just so overwhelmed, I didn't know. It's just, sorry. It's all I could say, just embarrassed. Embarrassed myself, my daughter, the, the, everybody in there. And he said, uh, you know, I, I never had that happen before. I said, I, I'm sorry to be that guy. But uh, I was so over. I didn't know what to do. Is it over? Do I get out? Like, what do I? People are so distracted. That unless you use the world to attract them, it is increasingly more difficult to keep them. Boys and girls, look, I'm not going to lie to you. This book 
And the stories, the his stories in this book are exciting enough and sufficient enough. I can do jumping jacks. I can do backflips. I can get a, a, a stage with some lights. I can bring in, you know, a rock band and have them just hit the drum as hard as they can and get everybody moving and wooing. And I can get you going side to side and I can get you running up and down the aisles. And I've been wanting to do a pew run. I mean, I can do some pew runs and, you know, I practiced that enough. I probably can really. And I'm going to be lodging in the branches thereof. There's something that's expanding. And it's not the church in this parable of the mustard seed. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. The Bible is exciting enough. There's no reason. There's no other attraction. There's no other attraction. I can change five things on this church. And we can double our membership in probably six months. I'm not going to be lodging in the branches thereof. I can make five changes. And we'll double our membership. Now, of course, we'll lose the good ones. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. Our roots need to go deep. Deep in Christ. And be rooted and grounded in love. Let's move on. Set your affections on things above, young people. Does the world hate you? Does the world hate you? I'm not being mean. But if you're locked arms with the world, something's wrong. Something's wrong. The world loves the megachurch. They love it. They love it. And it's become a joke. It's become a place we want to try to get as popular as we can be and pamper everybody. What happened to persecuted pilgrims? What happened to Christians finding the prayer closet and just being on their knees praying, oh God, help us, help our church? Help our outreaches, help our young people, help our senior saints. What happened to it? The same thing, I guess, that's always happened to it. Small little flock here, a small little flock there. I don't want to stay small for the sake of saying small to say we're small, so we're spiritual. I don't believe that. I want to have more people saved. I want to have more young people. I want to have my kids to have more kids to play with. I want your kids to have more kids to play with. I want other moms to have other moms to fellowship with and hang out with. I do. I do. I do. But I think you would agree that none of us want to be lodging in the branches thereof. Israel didn't believe in separation. <laughs> They wanted to be like all the other nations. You know what God gave them? Saul. <laughs> he, 
<laughs> These churches that don't believe in separation, you know what God gave them? <laughs> Rick Warren, <laughs> Osteen, Furtick, Copeland, Hen. That's what they got. You better believe in some separation from the world. First parable, seeds caught away. Second parable, you got an imitation out in the world. Can't tell the wheat from the tares. Third parable, you've got corrupted Christianity, and they're giving shelter to everybody. Come and lodge in our branches and get shade under our tree. The mustard seed parable is the spreading of the teaching of Jesus, but no one is naming Jesus as the only true Savior. The gospel is not being mentioned. There is a deep-rooted expansion of a world system. And the final form will be a, an apostate Christianity. That's the parable of the mustard seed. The expansion of the teachings of Jesus without Christ being named as Savior or King. 2 Timothy 3.5 says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such 